0: Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22, it simply says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And so tonight, with the Lord's help, I want to minister on this thought, a gift of God. And so if we could, maybe just stand one more time and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray right now over this word. We pray right now, God, that you would minister, that you would anoint this word. Help me, Lord Jesus, to communicate it in a way that connects Lord Jesus' people with your spirit and with what you want to do. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would orchestrate everything this evening, put it all together as you see fit. You know every part. You know every piece in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you can be seated again. As a young man, I can remember reading stories about this idea, this scripture, and it was always so interesting to me because when you read these when you read these stories about people who uh, do something that is not necessarily what you would expect toward an enemy. It it creates a unique situation where the the enemy doesn't exactly know what to do, right? They find themselves suddenly in in a wrong position, suddenly in a place where, you know, they need to make a choice. They need to uh, figure out if they're going to do uh, what they were intending to do Or if suddenly they have a change of heart. And so in this story, in these stories, usually you'd have a family or, or an individual and, and maybe they're in their house and, and maybe they're just, you know, doing their, their, their normal evening routine. And, and, you know, suddenly there's, you know, somebody that is, is attempting to rob them or maybe something worse. You know, some of these stories, you know, families are attacked and family members are killed. And, and so, it was always uh, a fascinating event as you watch uh, these things unfold. And, and so the family might uh, suddenly find themselves face to face with their attacker or with this person who may be intending to rob them. And, and so what would happen is, is that they would Maybe in their own mind, at least in the story, you don't, maybe in the, in real life, you don't obviously see this happen, but when you're reading it, you get to hear what the, what the person is thinking. And so they maybe have a thought or they have a prayer and they're like, you know, God, you know, help me to, to do what you want me to do. And, and this scripture maybe comes to mind. And so here's this enemy. And, uh, in one particular story, the, the gentleman, there was somebody, you know breaking into the the roof of the home they was tearing out the that's thatch and and so the man you know heard these guys breaking in so he tells his wife you know hurry up cook a meal and and so she quickly understands what he's trying to do and so they go he goes outside and he calls up to him and he says hey guys you know would y'all like to come in and have uh something to eat and and so for, it's a strange strange moment right you know these these guys are up there, they're trying to break in, obviously, to rob this individual. And, uh, in the story, that particular one, they come in, they sit at the table, and they're not really making eye contact, you know, they eat some of this food, and, and, they, but they're just looking down at their plates, and, and, uh, at the end of the meal, they kind of thank them and then they, they go back outside and, and pretty soon the man hears them back up on the roof. And so he goes outside to investigate and, you know, they're putting it all back together, you know, and, and so this story is just like, man, how, wh- what would it be like to be in that moment, to watch that, that scripture literally come to pass? And, and so I've always been fascinated by this verse and, I've wondered sometimes over the years how many times this exact situation has come into being. You know, it might happen during a war, it might happen uh, during uh, a time of, of famine or whatever the case may be. But I would just say that every person who has ever come to the Lord, who was an enemy of Christ, whether knowingly or unknowingly, has experienced this giving from God firsthand. Even before someone was obedient to the word, and sometimes even before the person believes, they experience this unexpected love from the Savior in some form of an undeserved gift. I bet if we went around the room, and started asking questions to those of you who could talk to you about the time when you experienced your conversion, when you experienced that moment when you realized that you were going to serve God, when you realized that you wanted to make a change and turn toward Him, it was probably preceded by some events, some gifts that came from God, some mercy, some grace, some incident that maybe brought you to a place where you saw how deep his love and how specifically he cared for you. Could we not go around the room and hear some amazing stories tonight? Amen. Praise God. For my father, his prayer in Vietnam was, Lord, if you will just get me out of this place alive, I'll serve you. And I'm so glad to say, guess what? The Lord did it and he's here tonight. (laughs) Amen. And so, how many messes has God extracted people from when they probably deserved to reap the reward of their own poor decisions? Charges dropped, sentences reduced, foreclosures halted, loans repaid, deliverance from addictions, undeserved kindness extricating us from problems that seemed hopeless to us. And you know, if you've ever been in that state, when when you're in that place, when you're really not sure if you can get yourself out, it's not a new feeling. It's actually very common, so much so that God uh, had the psalmist write it in the Psalms where he said, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of a miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. That clay was very sticky. And those friendships and relationships, they seemed impossible to get out of. And circumstances where people came to church with a life that was so entangled in the chains of sin with no idea of how to escape. And so even when we were enemies, Our Savior just keeps feeding us and giving us gifts. Praise God. It doesn't stop there, though, does it? As we grow in our faith, surprising miracles take place. Not always in places that we are expecting either, and God gives to us so freely. One of the great themes of the Bible is about our giving God. And as you dig through the scriptures, you can just see it over and over and over. And he makes it a point in his ministry to show and to tell some of the things that he gives freely. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 Come to me, all. You who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. And the scriptures that talk about what He gave and what He gives and what His gifts are, are so very many how many scriptures i wonder list the gifts from god and i even tried to google that to just see if i could find somebody who had done the homework to try to figure out how many things god gives to us and you know it was uh it was a little difficult google didn't really know what to do with that question so it kept just pointing me to the gifts of the spirit and 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 some of the spiritual gifts that that it, that many many people talk about, and that's just like one small thing, one small area. And so we can look at mercy, and we can look at grace, and we can look at love. I mean, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love Romans 8:32. This is in the New Living Translation. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't He also give us everything else? Here the scriptures promise, you know, look. I gave you my son. Won't I? Won't I? Won't I give to you? Won't He give to us everything else that we need? Praise God. Hallelujah. The gifts that come from God are so interwoven in Scripture and one of the bible stories that we read to our children at home is about naaman the aram commander in 2 kings chapter 5 verse 1 the king of aram he had great admiration for this commander this commander naaman and The reason he had great admiration for him is because Naaman brought him many victories. Naaman was the big dog that was able to bring Aram great, uh, bring the king of Aram great treasure, great bounty, bring him territory and lands. And so the king of Aram had great admiration and wanted to do something for him but naaman had a problem and that problem was that he had leprosy and in this story i i find it so interesting because this is an individual who is really outside of the story about israel and so as you're kind of reading the story, you you find yourself kind of wondering, you know, how this all came to be. And so, but, but as the story continues, you can see that Naaman uh, has this leprosy, but in some of the attacks of the Aram raiders, as they were attacking Israel, they brought captives out. And one of the captives that they brought out was a young girl, And Naaman was given this young girl of Israel and he in turn took this girl and gave her to his wife as a maid or a slave. And this slave girl did something unexpected. Now, in the story that we read to our kids, it says that the girl heard Naaman's wife crying. Now, that's not in the Scripture, and, 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 and maybe it happened that way, and maybe it didn't. But, he, but she hears, she hears uh, uh, the wife crying, and she goes in and asks what's wrong, and she says, my husband Naaman has leprosy. And it seems, it seems like that may, may have been how that could have happened, but the important thing was is that the girl, the slave girl, made a choice to give a gift to this enemy and she says if Naaman will go to the to the prophet in Israel then God can heal him Uh and so she tells Naaman this and Naaman tells the king And the king of Aram, man, he is, he's excited to hear this. He's actually glad that he can do something for Naaman. And so he sends Naaman with some serious gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And he says, take this to the king with this letter, this letter of introduction. And so Naaman starts out and, you know, he gives this letter and, and so when the king of Israel gets this letter, he responds. And, and to me, it's kind of uh, kind of humorous because he's sarcastic. And he's like, uh, <laughs> he, he basically tears his clothes because this is, you know, an enemy that has raided successfully. And so he's not excited about this. And he says, this man, this king sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? You know, I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. And so the king, you know, he's really dismayed about this. But the Bible says that Elisha heard that the king had tore his clothes and was upset. And so what happens? Well, of course, Elisha says to the king, hey, send him to me. And that way that Naaman and all of Assyria will know that there is a prophet in Israel, a prophet of God. And so Eli- Naaman goes with his horses and chariots, and he waits at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha doesn't even come out. He just sends a messenger out and says, tell Naaman to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. And if you've read this story, you, you recall how Naaman was so upset about this. He, The Bible says he went into a rage. And I don't know what it's like for, you know, for a commander of armies to go into a rage, but I imagine that the, the men that were with him, the kings, or the, the commander's men, they were a little bit, uh, maybe a little uncertain about what should happen next. And so maybe they just followed him away. But, but Naaman makes this statement. He says, aren't there better rivers than the Jordan? You know, he is not happy. And eventually the men, kind of speak some reason to him. And they say, you know, if God, if the man, if the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have gone and done it? Wouldn't you have gone and and whatever that thing would have been, wouldn't you have gone and done that? And so he realizes that his desire to be healed of leprosy was greater than his pride and his rage. Right. And so, of course, he goes and does what the prophet asks, and he dips seven times. The Bible says his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. And then in verse 15 of this chapter, it says, then Naaman his entire party went back to find the man of God, and they stood before him, and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world, except in Israel. So please accept this gift from your servant. Of course, Elisha uh, declined those gifts, but Naaman didn't want to go away without some memory of what had happened and some some evidence of of that place. And so he gets permission to take two mules and, and load them up with dirt from that area just so that he could take a little bit of that holy ground back to him of what had happened to him he took that back with him and what an incredible thing because he said from now on i will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other except the lord And Elisha tells him to go in peace. This amazing story started because the young girl shared what God could do with her enemy. And and something that this, this, this history of Israel was interrupted in the Scripture by the story of Naaman because somebody did the unexpected and shared the gift of God. And so now we have an amazing testament of what God will do when we share Him with even our enemy. You see, a gift of God connects a person to Him. It opens a person's heart to him and causes that, per- that individual to make a decision about him. There's this time in Matthew that Jesus has been ministering. Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to read 15 through 19. And, and it just says, When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the multitudes? No, to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. We have this wonderful example here of Jesus first giving to his disciples and then the disciples and then further we have this instance in Matthew chapter 10 and when he had called his 12 disciples to him he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease and then in verse 7 and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. And I want to acknowledge that in our church, this is a giving church. I want to acknowledge that I see all the time many giving of time, talent, and treasure. It is not uncommon to see people doing things that surprise you. It's not uncommon saying, man, I can't believe they just went to work all day and then went and did all that. You know, I can't believe that, you know, we had this, this she's for, I'm sorry, move the mission offering. And so this church, and by no means am I saying in any way that in this place, there are not people who give. But I want to ask a question, who am I giving to? I want you to ask yourself the question, who am I giving to? Because, if you think about that, of course, you know we are the, the flow of our giving get, is probably going to our families. It's going to our our friends, our church, going to our uh, the, the people that maybe that we uh, that we uh, sponsor as missionaries. Maybe we, maybe our giving, our flow of giving goes toward charities of, of some sort. And so we have this, these normal outlets, these normal, uh, flows of giving. God has freely given to us, and so we are allowing these things to, to flow freely out of our life into these channels. There's another question. And it's sometimes hard to even bring it up. But that question is this, who am I not giving to? It just may be that whoever comes to mind in that second column is who God is inviting us to participate in His love towards. It might even be areas that we would rather not consider. It might even be areas that are uncomfortable to us. Those enemy type folks who give us no joy to give to them. And Jesus, he makes it so plain in his words when he says, you have heard it heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Who are you not giving to? You might say, Well, John, I I don't really know if I have any enemies. And I, I, everybody I know, I love everybody. But sometimes the people that you don't consider your enemy are already your enemy. And so if you can identify. Who that enemy is, you might find an opportunity. The man who had the robbers breaking into his house, he didn't know they were his enemy until they begun, began to do that evil, until they began to, to uh, break into his house. You might say, well, man, I know what I would do if somebody's breaking into my house. I got it in my closet back there. I don't know the answer to that question. But I know this. That maybe it's not such a clear and easy to see thing. But right now, in our country, There are many people who think differently. And so maybe we might have some places where we didn't realize there was a problem. But we can begin to pray. And maybe even if it's closer to home, maybe there's areas where you might have some ideas about the way people live and the way people do things that you don't agree with, and so you just kind of stay away from those people. I don't know. I don't want to define it for you too much. I'm really asking you to to just think, who is it that you're not giving to? And I believe tonight that the Lord is giving us a clear directive to examine ourselves because he would like to use us for a greater glory than we can ever understand. So if we could stand tonight, Whenever you get a thought or an idea like this in your flesh, especially if you feel like you need to to preach it, you're resistant because it's it's, it's not an easy topic. But there's someone out there that he has plans for that he wants to give a gift to, a gift from God, but it has to flow through our hands first. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come and pray. You know, sure that person may need that person may need the gift from God. But before they get the gift from God, they might need a gift from God. And I close with this. Matthew eleven twenty one, 21. Woe to you. I'm not sure how to say this name, but Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago and sackcloth and ashes. I thought it was interesting the way that Jesus addresses cities rather than an individual. So I kind of just started digging into this a little bit. And as I was reading, something kind of came out of some of that material and something I had thought, I'd heard before, but maybe really not considered the full weight of it. But Jesus had done many mighty works in the cities that were listed to try to get their attention and get them to repent. And even though they were exposed to powerful teaching, awesome miracles, there were those who did not repent in those cities. And the problem for them was that in being exposed to Jesus himself and not heeding his words, the miracles and teaching exposure, those blessings will turn into a worse punishment on judgment day. Woe to you. And so the more gifts we experience in the kingdom of God, the more severe outcome we will receive if we don't endure till the end. I love this church, and I'm so thankful for the blessings that come from serving God together with all of you. And how terrible would it be to have been exposed to what happens here at Atlanta West and somehow walk away.